Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Well, good morning everyone. I am excited to be speaking to you all this morning uh, so we can consider the things that matter to us as a church family um, and in our individual daily walks with Jesus as well. So let's pray Take a moment to pray. Let's seek God's voice for us this morning to seek the continued presence of God in our midst and the impact of the power of the word. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we declare that you are king and Lord of this place. You are over all things. We know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. So we ask now, We come before the King of Kings, we come before the Lord of Lords and say, Lord Jesus, would you speak to us this morning by your Spirit, open our eyes and our ears uh, to to the truth this morning. Pray, Lord God, you'd use me, use my voice, and uh, Lord, I just pray you'd help us to hear what you want to say through me this morning. Yeah, be with us now, I pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, some of you will know this story I'm going to start with, um, uh, and it is a while ago, uh, long before I met Karen, long before uh, life was, you know, it was when life was simpler, you know, not because of Karen, but we didn't have children, there were no children to look after, there was no mortgage to pay, no dog to walk, and um, this one day I was on a train with some friends, and um, uh, as we approached my stop, This random bloke gets up out of his chair, comes over to me, and started speaking a prophetic word from God to me. And um, it was a relatively simple word. And he told me to wait for the right time to pursue uh, the the thing that I knew God had lined up for me, he'd planned for me. He said it might take longer than I thought, but I'd know when the time would be. Pretty cool word to get by a random stranger on a train. The interesting thing was I'd given this guy no suggestion that I was a Christian. Um, I had no Bible on the table or in my bag. I had no visible cross around my neck. For all he knew, I was just some random bloke on a train out with friends. But he stepped out and he brought a word uh, that was to prove critical in my walk with God. It shaped me. Um, And it actually had a massive impact on what I do now, what my job is now. And this random guy stepped out in faith, and, and that took courage. Yeah, it took massive courage. Um, but I believe, and I'm sure he did, that God the Holy Spirit gave him the word to speak, and he was bold, and he stepped out in faith. He had nothing to go on but the whisper of God in that moment. Let me tell you another story. The other week, uh, Neil and Sue and I went to um, a Commission UK Leaders Day, which is a gathering of commissioned church leaders who, as you might guess, are from the UK. <laughs> Um, and Guy Miller, who's our apostolic leader, he leads commission, and with his team, he sets the vision for commission as a movement or family of churches. And he told us this story of a walk that he was taking through London. And he was walking along, and he comes across this homeless man on, sitting on the pavement. And he just felt God say, go, go, and, go and speak to that man. Go and talk to him. And he was like, oh, I've already walked past him. I'll, 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 are you sure? And kept walking, kept walking. Um, and he gets down the road a bit further, and he felt God to say again, go, you need to go and talk to that guy. Go and talk to that man. He's like, oh, really, God, are you sure? And, uh, I'm, got busy, I'm busy, I've got stuff to do. And he kept going, and he eventually arrived just outside Victoria Station. 
And uh, it felt God to say again, you need to go and talk to that guy. He says, okay, fine, I'll go back. And he goes back and he sits down next to this homeless man and says, how are you doing? And the homeless guy is just there, just shares his life story, everything that's gone wrong, everything that's made him get to that point. And he's there on the floor. And in the end, Guy is crying um, because the story of this man, he just says to him, look, I'm a, I'm a church leader. I'd love for you to come and, come and see us on a Sunday morning and we'll get you some food and stuff like that. Um, and the amazing thing was, after that thing, after that bit of obedience, and off, off Guy went back to Victoria, did what he had to do. Um, after his bit of obedience, the guy came to church on the Sunday. At one moment, one conversation, the guy came to church, and apparently he's been back since as well, which is amazing. One encounter, and the guy came to church. You know, that, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, you think of the times you've invited people to church. We've invited people to church, um, and they haven't come. One sit down with a guy at the side of the road, and there he is in the Sunday morning in the church. It was just amazing. So you can imagine then how encouraged I was by Guy's story. Man out for a walk, bumps into another man, hears a whisper of the Spirit, finally acts on what he's heard, and this homeless man comes to church, comes to hear about Jesus, hear the gospel. Um, and I was really encouraged by that story. And I can relate to Guy on two levels from that story. Um, firstly, questioning, are you sure, God? It's exactly what I do. Are you sure, God? Are you really sure? Are you sure you really want me to do this? Um, and secondly, I relate to Guy because I hate turning around mid-stride. Karen will tell you, if I'm walking through West Street in Horsham, heading, head, heading, um, you know, heading east from West Street, and I'll be going along, and we're like, Karen will say, oh, Craig, we've got, I want to go back to that shop. And I'm like, oh. That involves turning around. And I don't like turning around. And sometimes it has been so bad that I have carried on walking up West Street, turned left, round through, through Swan Walk, all the way back down again, and back into West Street, for those of you who know Horsham at all, um, just to avoid turning around. I struggle with it. I don't know why I do, but I do. Maybe there's some people here who are the same as me, or more likely you just all think I'm a little bit nuts. Um, but this week... Okay, I've heard Guy's story. This week, I was out about half past ten at night with Oscar the dog and uh, listening to a friend's most recent sermon as I'm walking. So I thought I'll extend it so I can listen to the whole thing. Um, and I came down through the village to pass the sorting office. And um, I headed down, headed up through the library car park. And as I get up to the bit, you know the bit of the car park that is private during the week? Yeah, on the left-hand side, there's the electric car charging points and there's a, there's a clothes recycling bin. And as I go up the hill, there's a man on the floor, sat down. And he's got his phone out. He's got his hood up. And as I walk past, I just get this sense of, you need to talk to that guy. He's going to talk to that guy. I was like, oh, really, God? Are you sure? I've gone past him now. You know I don't like turning around. Um, and so I carried on going. Um, and uh, I kept going, kept going. I felt God say again, you need to go and talk to that guy. And I get halfway up Alex Hill. And for those of you who know Billingshurst, that means I've walked quite a distance from the library car park. I get halfway up Alex Hill and poor Oscar. I end up going, right, okay, I'm going. And Oscar's like going one way and he's getting dragged the next. Uh, and we go back and we go down, to, down past, the, past the church offices, down past the sorting office, up the hill and go round to the left and he's gone. Sadly, he'd left, so we didn't get to talk to him. Um, and as far as I'm aware, he isn't here today. 
Um, if that was you, please let me know. But it raises a question, doesn't it? You know, what, what happened? What happened in that moment? Did I stifle the work of the Spirit in that moment? I don't know. But what I do know is that next time, I'll certainly be aiming to be quicker in my response to what I believe God is calling me to do in that moment, so I don't miss that opportunity to get caught up in what he's doing. Do I want that initial response, that extra long walk, to be the norm? Or do I want to hear the voice of God as as, as I interpret it and act? My hope is that next time I'm quicker. Next time I hear him, I'm going, right, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that thing you're calling me to do. So here at Billingshurst Family Church, we love the work of the Spirit. And our desire is to be walking closely with him. We're a charismatic church. We love the active and experienced work of the Spirit in our midst. And we love the gospel as well. We love the word of God. Um, The authority of scripture is core to everything that we do. Um, and the fact that we love the gospel and we love the word, we hold it, as an, hold it as the authority in our lives, is saying we're an evangelical church. So we're trying to be a charismatic evangelical church, a word and spirit church, or even better, as I think it is, is to be a New Testament church. There's a story in the book of Acts, which is in the Bible, and it's this story of this uh, Roman centurion called Cornelius. And um, to save me talking through the whole thing, I've got a little video for us to watch. Over in the port city of Caesarea, there was a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he represents everything the Jewish people would hate about the Roman occupation. An angel appears to him and he tells him to call for a man named Peter. So Peter comes and he finds Cornelius and his friends and his family all gathered together in his home. Yeah, and this is scandalous. Jewish people don't enter a non-Jewish home to avoid ritual impurity. So what's Peter going to do? Well, right before this, Peter had a vision. God brought to him a collection of animals that his people were forbidden to eat. And then God said to Peter, eat these. And this is shocking to Peter. He says, I've never eaten anything impure. And God responds, don't call impure what I have made pure. And then that's it. The vision was over. So Peter's going to start a new diet? No, he's an Israelite, and he's honored these customary food laws his entire life. The vision was preparing him for this moment of him standing among impure non-Israelites. And he realizes that God is declaring these people are a part of the family of Abraham. And so Peter decides to stay and tell them about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit shows up just as he did at Pentecost. But now it's for a Roman centurion and his non-Jewish family. The movement is broken out. Just a side note, there's a, um, a website online called The Bible Project, um, and they've got YouTube videos, and they're all stuff like this, and they're really good um, resources. If you ever want to get an overview of a book, they do drawing out to posters, um, and it's all done, uh, all animated. It's really, really, really good, really useful stuff. Um, but this story of Cornelius, this is one of the many stories in the book of Acts, in the Bible, of the word being preached. So you see what happened. Peter turned up, realizes that God's done something, and, and he comes to these people, and uh, he preaches the word to them. You know, they want to know. 
So he says, well, this is what happened. This is what Jesus did. This is what he accomplished. He preaches the words to these previous unbelievers. uh, Some of them surely would have been. Um, He preaches the words, and the Holy Spirit turns up. And the Holy Spirit turns up just like he had at Pentecost. So earlier in the book of Acts, there's this story where the believers are all together in one place, and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit turns up, and all of a sudden, they're able to speak in other languages. And everyone's wandering around. All these people are gathered in the city, and they're wandering around. They're hearing their home language being spoken. It's like, what? He's a Galilean. What's he doing talking in my language? Uh, and so but in the same way, this happens with Cornelius. And in this situation, the word is preached, and the Spirit arrives. The truth of God is proclaimed, and the Spirit comes. And I believe that church should be no different to the New Testament church, except for one thing. The apostolic authority is now different. Okay? What we talk about as the apostolic, with like Guy Miller and stuff like that, is not the same as Peter and Paul and those others uh, who had apostolic authority. What they spoke became scripture, became God's word, was the truth. Okay? We don't believe that for today. Um, but in every other way, I believe that the church should be like the New Testament church. And I believe like today, the word should be preached. It should be proclaimed. It should be protected. The truth should be protected and not changed. Um, and the expected experience of the spirit and the exercising of spiritual gifts should happen today in our midst, in this place, throughout Billingshurst uh, and yeah, all over the world. I'd love to see it. Thank you, Jeff. We see the word was preached and the spirit came upon them. And throughout the book of Acts, we hear of people speaking in other languages. We hear of healings, miraculous healings, miraculous interventions, like prison walls being broken down by God himself. We hear of prophecies, words of knowledge, and predictions on what is to come. They're all spoken throughout the New Testament and through Acts. And as a New Testament church, Billingsdale's Family Church is a New Testament church, what we want to be. So we expect those things to happen in our day here in Billingshurst. And there's this wonderful relationship through Acts of this, the Word and the Spirit. And it doesn't always go one way round. It isn't always the Word is preached, the Spirit comes. Sometimes the Spirit comes and then the Word is preached from that. Um, happens in different ways. There's a wonderful relationship that we talk about in our foundations course um, that says, all word, then dry up. All spirit, then blow up. Word and spirit, then grow up. It's that relationship between the word and the spirit um, that we want to see here at BFC. A little bit of history for you. In the past 100 years or so, there have been two major groups of Christians that have... um, Protestant Christians, anyway. Um, and there's been those who are evangelicals, those who love the word, the, the, the Bible, um, and the charismatics who have been sort of the, the hands raised, dancing, gifts of the Spirit being active, gift of the Holy Spirit being present. Um, and um, so there's these two groups. And it's, oh, it's, the relationship has been difficult at times between these two groups. 
Um, there's a wonderful guy called David Pawson, and he's a Bible teacher and an author, and he defines evangelical Christians as those who love the gospel. They love the good news of Jesus. They love the Bible, what we call God's word, and all the truth that it contains, and they seek to hold it as the highest authority in their lives. And Pawson says that evangelicals traditionally hold to two things, that the content of the gospel has to be defended, which means there's, you cannot add anything to the gospel you cannot take away anything from the gospel. It needs to be defended. It needs to stay as it is. And through the years, there have been different groups that have tried to do that. They've tried to add bits to the gospel and take things away from the gospel. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's all by grace, but you need to do this, this, and this as well. Yeah? And the evangelical camp, in their uh, core values, would be saying, no, 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 no. We don't add anything to it. It is what it is. We don't take anything away from it. We don't add to it. And on the other side, the other point for evangelicals is that they believe the content of the gospel has to be declared. It's not something to hold to ourselves. We share it. We tell people. Yeah? We tell people about what God's word says. We tell them about the love of God. Um, And that is really important to evangelicals. On the other hand, you've got the charismatics. And again, David Pawson says that they are those who believe in the modern day, today experience of the Holy Spirit and the exercising of the gifts that he brings. And David Pawson again explains that charismatics have traditionally held two main points. The gift of the Spirit is, to be, is something to be experienced and evidenced, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, gifts of the Spirit are from the Holy Spirit and are to be exercised. It's not something that died out in AD 120, as some would say. On a personal note, one of the reasons I, when I came to faith outside of church, one of the reasons I struggled to go to church was because when I read the book of Acts and I saw everything that was happening in there, and then I looked at the church and saw, as far as I could see, nothing was happening, um, I was just like, well, why would I go there? The Spirit's not at work. The Bible says he's at work, he's doing things, but he's not there. And eventually I went and I humbled myself. Um, I was forced to humble myself because I turned up and the day I turned up, they're praying for healing at the front and these people are getting healed. And amazing, amazing thing. Um, but the gifts of the Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit are for today. And over the past hundred years, there have been various attitudes between evangelicals and charismatics. It started out with suspicion because evangelicals have been going a long time and there was this charismatic sort of revival starting, this growth of the charismatic again. Um, and it started out with suspicion. And that lasts about 50 years, from 1901 through to about 1951. Um, there was this suspicion. And uh, from the 50s onwards, it became toleration. They were tolerant of these slightly crazy, charismatic Christians. As long as they did their thing over there, that's fine by us. As long as they don't come near us and try and infiltrate us, that's okay. They can stay over there. Um, so there's this tolerance. And then as things come on, there's been more assimilation. There's been kind of a, uh, an overlap of the two camps. But both camps have stayed very firmly in their bit. Yeah? So they stayed rooted in the things of spirit, in the charismatic. Or they've stayed rooted in uh, evangelicalism, in, in the words. And they've kind of nabbed a little bit of the stuff happening over there, and vice versa. Um, it's been very bit of assimilation, but still very much, oh, I'm an evangelical, or I'm a charismatic. Um, and, 
the evangelicals have been more accepting of the presence of spiritual gifts. Uh, things like speaking in spiritual languages, prophecy, healings, and so on. Uh, the miraculous things that the Reformation, although it achieved so much, you know, 500 odd years ago, um, the Reformation happened and it achieved loads. It created the Protestant church, it created this uh, detached from, you know, uh, works-based theology to grace-based theology, re-seeking out this grace message of it's not about what we do, it's about what he has done. Um, and it did so much, but I think it only went part of the distance. Because they were, at the end of the Reformation, they were still funny about spiritual gifts, about the, presence, the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. These days, though, there's more and more integration of both camps, of these charismatics and the evangelicals. The key, though, is rather than us want to be a Reformed church, I believe we're called to be a New Testament church. A church just like it was in the New Testament. You know, what is, what is better than the word of God to say what sort of church we should be? You know, there is nothing better. You know, an act 500 years ago, as wonderful as it was, is not the thing to base our lives on. This is the thing to base our lives on and our expectations of church. You know, we're supposed to be a church that preaches the life of Jesus, his death on the cross that made a way for us to know God personally and as well as together, corporately in the church. And we're supposed to preach his resurrection that promises us the gift of eternal life, release from the power of sin, of doing the things that harm us, we know harm us, uh, and, the sh- and release us from the power of shame, and to give us instead abundant life in the name of Jesus. See, I believe that no matter what camp people find themselves in, whether they call themselves charismatics or evangelicals, they're probably still Christians. Right? They probably both believe that stuff that I mentioned. You know, they believe that Jesus lived a life, perfect life, died on the cross and rose again. Yeah, they all believe that same stuff. So what is it about? Well, in the book of John... Jesus said that he came that those who follow him, we, us, might have life and have it in all abundance. He came that, so that those who would follow him would have fulfillment, would have freedom from shame, freedom from the power of doing the things that we know aren't good for us. Let me ask you, do you ever feel like you need freedom from those things? Do you ever feel like you want a better life than you have now? Or are we all happy where we are? Do we all feel like we need a peace and a contentment? Now let me tell you, you'll find it in Jesus and nowhere else. There is nowhere else you will find it. It is in him and him alone. If you want to know about abundant life and freedom... Come and talk to me. Let, me. let me talk to you about him. Let me tell you about him, what he's done for you. The great thing is he's already done it. Nothing you have to do, which is amazing. If you go and talk to me, talk to the person you came with today, someone you know or someone on the ministry team with the blue lanyards at the end of the meeting. We'd love to tell you about Jesus and what he's done. 
So you're probably getting the idea that I think that these two camps, the evangelicals and the charismatics, actually need to be united. Need to be completely integrated. I bumped into Neil walking home the other day, and um, he said to me about, oh, there was this prophecy by a guy called Smith Wigglesworth in 1947. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, Neil. I shall go home and I shall research it. Um, and it said this. During the next few decades, it was preached in, said in 1947, during the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it and will be characterized by the restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. The second move of the Holy Spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. In the duration of each of these moves, the people who are, all, who are involved will say, this is a great revival, but the Lord says, no. Neither is this the great revival, but both, the, both are steps toward it. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the church as something that has not been seen before, coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the spirit. When the word and spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit the nations and indeed the world have ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed within these shores, even the Wesleyan and Welsh revivals of former years. The outpouring of God's spirit will flow over from the United Kingdom to mainland Europe, and from there will begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth. It's quite a powerful thing for a guy to be saying. You know, he wasn't far from dying at this point, uh, I believe. Now, prophecy is only ever in part. It's not perfect. Um, we can never trust it completely, but prophecies can be interesting when compared with the Bible to see, what they, see if they say the sort of thing we might expect God to say. They always need testing and weighing against the word, against the Bible. But I find it interesting in what he said. When the word and spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations and indeed the world has ever seen. That phrase really intrigues me. The thing is, we look through the early church history as recorded in the Bible, the word being preached and the power of the Spirit being present are incredibly closely linked. We prophesy in part and we weigh these sorts of prophecy, but it's interesting that churches like ours are trying to bring together the authority of the words and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now these days there's an overlap between those who major on the word and who major on, in the spirit. And it's a growing overlap, but we don't want to be in either camp. Instead, we want to be charismatic evangelicals. We want to be a New Testament church, one that leans on both the word and on the spirit. All the early church were charismatics. They believed and saw the presence and power of God in their midst. The whole of the early church, New Testament church, were evangelicals because they believed in the power of the word of God, of his good news, declared and defended. That's the sort of church we want to be. We want to be both those things. We want to see God at work in our midst. We want to proclaim his words, declare it and defend it. It's like when you're building a bridge with two pillars. If you focus all your energy and resources on one pillar... The bridge is never, is, is never going to be complete. Put all the effort into one side. That side might be really, really strong, but you've just focused on one thing and missed out the other pillar and the rest of the bridge. You know, it might feel okay when you walk across on that bit, 
So I'm, I'm, yeah, this, this bit's okay. But when you try and use the bridge to its fullness, you'll find it will collapse halfway across because the other side's not strong enough uh, to take the weight. And it will crumble into the river below. When all the effort just goes into one bit of it, it's to the detriment of the whole. The whole thing becomes unstable. And I think it's like this with the words and with the spirit. The two pillars of the New Testament church, the two pillars that make up the whole Christian life. Neglect one and the whole thing can fall apart. Instead, plan for the whole. Don't just plan to build one pillar, build the whole thing, build the whole bridge on both pillars, build both pillars strong, and then the whole building, the whole bridge will function. It will do what it's got to do. If we stand our Christian life on the word and on the spirit, our Christian life will do what it's supposed to do. We'll see the things we should be seeing. A strong bridge will be able to withstand almost anything. Same with the Christian life. It's then that we experience that abundant life that Jesus promises us. When that whole thing is built well. So then, if here at BFC we say we're striving to be a word and spirit church, or better, a New Testament church, what does that mean for our day-to-day lives? Well, I believe it means that we will love the word of God. We will love the Bible. We devour it. We work through it. It will mean we apply it to our lives. We encourage one another in this place, in our home groups, in our one-to-one times with our friends, with the truth of the Bible, the truth of the gospel. We We will actively seek to apply the truth of the Bible to our own lives. And as well as that, if we, it means that if we love the work of the power, work and the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst, it means that. Like what happened to the believers in Acts 19, we accept people, see people baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit in the laying on of hands. And, that, and then we might receive and exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build up the church. And not for us to in, sit and enjoy. You know, you don't, someone who's been given a gift of healing doesn't sit there and go, Haha, I have a gift of healing. What use is that? Why would God give them a gift of healing? No, God goes, gives us a gift of healing to build up the church, to edify people in this place, to demonstrate his power to those who don't know him, that they might turn to him. BSC, we want to see biblical exercising of the gifts of the Spirit so that people are healed, miracles happen in people's lives, different languages and spiritual languages are exercised in this place. In my earlier stories, I spoke of how God directly worked in people's lives. He actively encouraged me to go back and talk to that guy in the car park. God speaks to us today through the word and by the spirit. And if what we hear in a moment doesn't go against what the Bible says, there's a good chance we're hearing from God. We can only test the things of the spirit by comparing them against what the word tells us to expect God the Holy Spirit to say and do. The word and spirit complement one another. The spirit opens up the word to us, reminds us of the word in critical moments. The word gives us God's mission in which to play our part and the Holy Spirit equips us with the gifts and power that we need to actively play our part. We have a biblical mandate to reach people with the love and power of God so that they have the opportunity to know him to know how much he loves them and cares for them. 
having a Christian life, being a church even that's founded on both the word and the spirit is the best way that we can do that. It's the best way to reach people with the good news. Does the band want to come back up? Let's not be a, a church that's scared. We're told to measure things and test things and check things against the Bible. But if the Bible says those things happen, then we have no reason to question that. Let's not hide away because of our own fears of what God might do for fear of getting it wrong. So I've got some things just to think about. I'm going to pray in a moment, but let's just have a look at this quickly. Craig, can you pull it up for me? Sorry. Um, got four things that we can do uh, this morning. And you might be sitting there going, okay, Craig, well, yeah, okay. Well, I'm quite happy where I am, thank you. Happy with what I've got. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, there's more. Um, this morning, while we're worshipping, um, there's going to be people around with ministry badges on. I'll be around um, as well. But you could come and get prayer for baptism of the Holy Spirit if you don't know it already. If you don't know God's presence in your life, you can come and be prayed for and received if you believe in Jesus. The next thing you can do is you can come and get prayer to know God's love for you afresh. Because he, he wants us to know his love. And so if you're feeling a bit dry and a bit weary, maybe it's a good time to come and get prayer just to know his love for you again. And... Um, you can get prayer to be equipped for the next opportunity God sends you away. Do you want to be like me last week where I missed out on what God might have been doing? Or do you want to be equipped to be ready to go, okay, yeah, God, I hear what you're saying. That's what I'm going to do. Finally, seek the charismata. That's where the charismatic comes from. Okay, It's spiritual gifts. It's belief in spiritual gifts. And we're told to seek them, so we should seek them. If there's spiritual gifts that you desire, Paul tells us to you know, eagerly desire the greater gifts like prophecy and stuff like that. Um, so seek them this morning. Maybe pray where you are. Just say, look, God, God I, just, I know you said to me years ago about healing. I just pray you give me that gift now and help me to build this church. Um, or it might be prophecy. or It might be um, words of knowledge or, or whatever. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable praying on your own, then grab someone to pray with. This is time to pray. It's about building the church, about growing God's kingdom. That's what all this is about. It's not just about our, it's not about our experience. It's about his kingdom and growing his work. So we're going to worship. I'm going to hand over to Rachel to lead us in worship. But um, as we do that, there might be a moment where I just stand up and call us all out to, to come and get prayer. Okay, let's stand. <laughs>